Living Adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Kamut, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running or bikepacking, Kamut's easy-to-use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Kamut. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here, needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Um... <laughs> Have a loop. I'm meeting today Neil and Lee Hesseltine, very, very near the end of my trip, um, just down the road from where I grew up. And the reason I've been cycling around Yorkshire is to, well, one is to explore this place that I grew up and see if I can have an adventure close to home. And the other is to get some sort of Pixie. idea. Oh, got another, what's this, dragon or dinosaur? Fixie. Fixie the fox. fox. I've got a fox. Hiya. <laughs> Violet, what school do you go to? Go on, what school do you go to? Kirby Mallon. Kirby Mallon. So you yeah. went to the same primary school as me and your dad. And who else? Mummy. <laughs> That's rubbish. Rubbish. <laughs> um, I think I'll, I'll just start again. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so I'm sitting in the kitchen with uh, Neil and Lee. Hesseltine, just down the road from where I grew up, almost the last stop before the end of my trip. And I've been really interested going around Yorkshire, just seeing the different ways people choose to live interesting lives. And Lee, just before we started recording, you said to me, I don't think we live an interesting life. <laughs> yeah. And yet, um, you've got, what, 20,000 people following you on Twitter, on Instagram. Yeah. So... What do they think is interesting about your life? I, I think that they find the livestock interesting and I think they find the landscape interesting. But I guess there is also a, a, an, an intrigue about farming lives and about what happens on farms and about maybe the romance of the landscape and working with the land. Um, I think maybe that's part of it as well. Yeah, sorry, I should have explained. You live on a what, hilltop yeah, farm yeah. Uh, in the Yorkshire's National Park. Yeah. Beautiful little village, and the the sort of content you share is of your of your farming yeah. Yeah. life. Um, that's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And I suppose you forget when you're in that 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 becomes your daily life. And I never try to be blasé about the landscape because I feel very privileged to live and work here. But I suppose you you forget that your life isn't the same as other people's lives and it's it's actually very different to the life I had growing up in Newcastle. So, yeah, 
I should really realise that it's really interesting for other people and that they're they're intrigued about it. But I, th- I think that's one of the things we've sort of hasn't surprised us, but what we've realised since we've been doing the social media stuff is that that it is actually interesting and how interesting people find it and how yeah how the vast 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 majority of people don't lead a life that we do and and all of a sudden that becomes clear when and especially when people say to you um you get to look at that all day and i get to look at a brick wall through my office window basically and then it sort of puts a bit of realism into the fact that yeah not everybody does live the life that we lead but that you know on a day-to-day basis we don't necessarily find that quite as interesting as maybe the other people do but it, it, it is obviously fascinating for people and that and that in itself is great for us because just to understand that people are really interested in how we manage the livestock within a within a landscape context and how that farming of the of the line of the livestock changes the landscape and creates a landscape is just is just really good for us to un, to know that people are interested in that so neil you're a Fourth generation farming this farm. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, third generation on my dad's side, but it was actually my mum's side prior oh. to the, prior to that. So it's been in one side of the or the other okay. for four generations. So, what what have been the biggest changes you've noticed to the farming life in in your time as an adult farmer? Um, pr- pr- probably the thing that sort of stands out in my mind is is going back to childhood. I'm one of five. I've got four older sisters, and and you go back to childhood, and I can remember my mum and dad. And Christmas Day always stands out because going before any of us could open any presents, my mum, or more particularly my dad, had to go up and muck out all the outbounds that are up here, which is which won't mean anything to a lot of people but what that basically means in there's about six barns which are probably the furthest away is about a mile from the farm and he'd have to go and muck them out muck the cattle out which would mean to take the crap away from the back end and feed them some animal some feed primarily hay at the front end of the cattle because at this time all the cattle were tied up by the neck which seems horrendous nowadays but they'd be in these barns we're feeding them hay every day muck them out every day and we'd have to wait for my dad to get back uh, from doing that before we could open any presents and now all that's completely mechanized um none of that so those barns are almost redundant for that use and as i said the sort of all those cattle are done by mechanization if if they live inside throughout the winter we actually have cattle outside all year round now uh, but it's that mechanisation and how farming has changed in that way uh, is probably the biggest difference that I've found since I was a kid. Okay, so there's the, the mechanisation of farming has been a big change, but one aspect that you're really interested in, both of you, is trying to go back to farming in older ways. Yeah. It? So yeah. Um, how did you start to get interested in trying to do farming as a conservation thing rather than just a way to earn some cash just just before we answer that um using the old term older i don't mind being saying we go back to older methods of farming because i i I think it is what we do that is seen in some respects as almost a luddite kind of a process and going back in time and it's not really seen as a as progress if if you sort of take my get my meaning um yeah, actually, we want this the way you're farming to be 
progressive, don't yeah, we? It's not yeah, trying yeah. to go back to the olden days. No, it, we want it to to be progressive rather than recessive. Is, okay. is kind of the point I'm trying to make. But yeah, we've we've gone through a, 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 a and I hesitate to use the word journey from <laughs> when when I you know it sounds like something like, the, like X, Factor. X Factor or something. But <laughs> yeah. but we. Um, I guess I came back to farm full time just after well foot and mouth time and it was partly because of foot and mouth not long after that we got the belted we reintroduced cattle back onto the farm because we had they hadn't been on the farm since about um 2000 no about 1987 they they went when my mum and dad converted the cow shed basically into bunk barn accommodation so that's when the cattle had gone so it was 16 years later we reintroduced belted Galloway cattle onto the farm, and that was part of a, a as a conservation grazing project uh, called the Limestone Country Project. And I think that was really the start of us understanding that the way you graze, the species that you use, the timings of those grazings of of the different species really impacts upon the biodiversity and the sort of environment around the animals. Uh, and and that was really the start of it. And we we went we grazed the cattle we were seeing changes on the farm we were seeing things re- return to the farm we hadn't seen for years and so since then we've we've just got more and more interested in the environmental side of it the sustainability side of it the biodiversity side of it and since then we're almost managing the the animals and the farm where th- throughout as much natural process as we can to encourage everything about the environment within farming and producing the sort of meat that we produce as well okay um so this i mean b- before we started doing this we were chatting for a long long time <laughs> sorry we've been, it's been a two cup of tea conversations <laughs> um and you lee you were talking really uh, passionately and enthusiastically about all sorts of farming stuff yeah but this you didn't grow up into this sort of world you grew no. up in a well uh, what was your journey from tell me so for example let's start with your telling me about your school and what you thought your life would be when you were at school um so I went to school in I grew up in a place called Walls End which is just outside of Newcastle Walls End is a very typical well it's a it's a very much a Tyneside town working class and was predominantly um shipbuilding and coal mining um and when the shipyards were in full pelt they employed thousands and thousands of people and it was quite a vibrant place um and in 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 quite affluent in the sense that people had very skilled jobs in the yards and um so people were very working class and but they had money and i had an education in walls end in a very normal kind of comprehensive school um which had people who were high achievers and people who maybe weren't but it was a real mixed bag and quite representative probably of, of the sort of Tyneside area. Um, was was it preparing you for becoming a uh, Yorkshire's hill farmer? Not necessarily. What, what were you anticipating when I, you were, say, 15, 16, 17? I anticipated... There was a lot of boob tube wearing and uh, very, <laughs> short, tube wearing. very well, short skirts. and I <laughs> can be compatible coats. with being a farmer. <laughs> it, it prepared me, I think, for life in the sense that it was... At times, I would say a little bit rough around the edges, and um, but in my mind there was no doubt that I would go to university, no doubt at all in my mind, and that I'd probably do an arts-related degree. In the end, I didn't do an arts-related degree. I did um, historic building conservation, um, 
but there was no doubt in my mind that something else was going to happen. Um, I loved the northeast and still love the northeast, um, and I didn't really anticipate meeting a Yorkshire Dales farmer, <laughs> and my life changed direction then. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah. And threw me into a different world and a different kind of social dynamic, I would say, as well, a different community. Um, and I could talk a lot, actually, about the differences between growing up in Newcastle and, and the differences people have grown up here and that our daughter will have grown up here. Um, it's perhaps a little bit more socially diverse. People have people socialise from being babies up to grandmas and everybody's together. Um, whereas Newcastle, I feel like I had a very... Uh, an education perhaps that people experience everywhere where you have such a big year group that you stay in your year group, you don't really mix with people of different ages so much. Um, here it's very still focused on family and community and it's a really, really interesting place to be. Okay, so it's focused on family and community and tradition. Yeah. Um, all things which at some point I found incredibly boring yeah. and drove me away, but yeah. I'll come back to that. So, but it's, it's this very family community tradition. And yet does this feel to you like you're living adventurously doing what you're doing up here? I said to you beforehand that I don't think I lead a very adventurous life. Um, I'm not climbing mountains or challenging myself to do major things or, um, I suppose I came to Malam at a time when I was a little bit older. I'd kind of done a lot of partying in my 20s in Newcastle and <laughs> got my first jobs, first professional jobs and lived a bit of life and met new people along the way and done lots of things. And then I met Neil and I came here and I actually just felt like it was maybe the right thing at the right time in terms of the direction life took. Um, I still worked away for quite a long time, actually, when I first moved here. Um, I worked away in, through the week and came back at weekends. Um, but yeah, living adventurously, I don't know, but it was a challenge for me because it was I was somebody very different. And it's, you know, I guess people, people here are very accepting of new people, actually. There's lots of people moving to Malham and Malhamdale and... Um, but yeah, very, very different, very, very different. And it presented challenges to me, I think, socially sometimes. I was, I was just very different, okay. different breed altogether than people here. Right, yeah. Um, um, how do you, um, so Neil, we, um, um, by the way, we're doing this interview with you two alternating, dashing off to entertain your daughter. So yeah, well, I think we had a poo in the pants. A poo <laughs> in the situation pants. Oh, to gosh, deal with, an so. emergency, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've resolved that well, thank you. <laughs> So, Neil, we both went to the same primary school, but yeah. di different ages, but the same school. And then I grew up here. I loved it around here till I was about a teenager. And then I found it so stifling and boring. And all I wanted to do was just go there, out into the world. So I then spent years charging off around the world, having mad adventures and loving it because I found it so boring here. You grew up here, around here, your roots are here, your home's here. And... Now I just feel incredibly jealous of your choice in direction. So do you feel, do you feel any sense of, did you ever feel any sort of yearning to be living more adventurously or does this feel like adventure to you? Um, the feeling's mutual in terms of jealousy because <laughs> the grass is always greener. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The sound, the thought of 
not necessarily cycling around the world sounds fairly appealing, but uh, going off around the world does sound great. Um, I I was always I always knew I would go away, and I did go away for about seven years in total, doing various things. Went away to college. It's it's um, A level results day today, and you said earlier that you remember it well. I remember it well for me as well too because I had to get two points in my A-levels uh, which at the point was 1D to get into Seal Hay and Agricultural College which wasn't particularly high achieving and, Did you, did you and get 1D? I, and I got 1D so I thought that was a fairly efficient process really just, <laughs> just to get exactly the right amount to get into Agricultural College but um, so I've been away uh, and I've done a little bit of travelling here and there into New Zealand and played rugby in Canada for a summer so I've done bits, obviously not to the extent that you have, um, but I think I always, I've always regarded this as home. I always feel that a real sense of belonging to to Malham and Malhamdale and even Tilltop Farm, and 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 so it was always not necessarily an expectation from my parents, but it was always an expectation on my own behalf that I would always come back to Malham and settle at Malham and um, and. And that's that is a really important part of what I am now. You know, the sense of belonging to Malham is 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 really important to us. So, what what does the word home mean to you? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think, like I was saying a little bit earlier, I, I'm part of. There's a part of community here where I literally was born at the same time as a lot of the people that we that we still live amongst and I went to primary school with a, a lot of people in Malham and Malhamdale and secondary school with some of them and even actual college with one or two of them and 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 they're still and they are absolutely people who I recognize and are part of Malham and and that in as much as anything is what home and what Malhamdale is about to me so it's not only the landscape and the farm that we're doing but it's the people that have been part of my life for the whole of the sort of 51 years that I've been here and uh, that includes my sort of parents but also my peers and groups as well so and 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 that that is when I look back now that has been a really important part of of growing up in Malhamdale and being part of one place pretty much all my life. And Lee, what you've come to this same place, but from a very different route and um, early anticipation. So, what does home mean to you? Um, I think there's lots of senses of the word and definitions of the word for me, really. And this definitely, Malham feels like my home. And for a lot, for me, a lot of home is kind of the house. Actually, is is how much the house feels like home and Hilltop Farm feels like home and it's funny you you don't think about until somebody asks you about it do you but um yeah the dales kind of feels like home and that i think you'd almost regard tyneside as being home though no not really i regard probably both as being home and actually when we go to newcastle i'd still kind of think oh i'm going home and that's one sense of the word that's what i mean by the definitions that that still feels like home because it's my i guess formative home and to some degree, your parents' house always feels like home a, a bit. And um, it's so familiar when I go back to Walls End and Newcastle, it's so familiar that it still feels like home. And then, yeah, this feels like home as well. This is where I live. This is where my life is. This is where my daughter is rooted in her life and her schooling and her community and our community. And so, yeah, there's lots of 
for me, there's lots of different senses of the world, but I still feel very comfortable being back in Wall's End. And I've just spent a week there with, with Violet and, you know, I, I can slot back into that in a lot of ways with friends and family. And um, But here is somewhere where I feel like I've been very accepted um, and been shown a lot of um, friendship and, um, yeah, just a lot of kindness, really. That's nice to hear, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I spend a lot of my time trying to get a sort of outdoor fix of adventure. So we were talking about fell running earlier. That's, and I feel the need in my life to spend time <laughs> being out, challenging myself and getting knackered and being in the snow and having a hard time and being in wild places. And I do that by coming up with convoluted expeditions and journeys that take me all over the world. Um, whereas you both do it just by walking out the front door and doing your daily job, don't you? So do, is there a sense of in the outdoors and wildness and in your life? Or is that just, oh man, it's raining, I've got to go put the cows out. Do you, do you like that part of it? I'll let, go on, I'll let you answer um, Neil used yeah. to be a good a runner and a sportsman. Yeah. Uh, uh, do, you, do you like that yomping around the hills? Um, on occasions. <laughs> um, the bit I don't like is when you... The bit I don't like is when you are forced into doing it, where it becomes an everyday occurrence just because that's what you have to do. And almost my biggest dislike of farming is that there's never a day where there's nothing to do. And that and that is that's almost the 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 hard bit for far, in farming for me. That, that yeah, just exactly that. That there's never a day not to do. So it, we've just got back off holiday, and and Lee wants to be, and the rest of the we go with another family and they want to be out on the beach they want to be in the sea and they want to be romping around hills and i'm just like saying i don't want to go out in the rain i'm quite happy just sat here looking at the beach drinking out of this beautiful window it's drinking a cup of coffee and then it gets to five o'clock and the coffee turns into a pint of beer and that's you know i i, I, I go away to get away from getting out into the so it's almost the converse of what you're saying is you know i i use my downtime as as to not having to go out onto the hills and that's just because that's slightly different to what my everyday life is, and that's um, so. Yeah, we, I do yearn to get away from that at times. Yeah, that's a very interesting, uh, different take on it. Um, I've been going around interviewing loads of people, um, and I've been asking everyone the same bunch of questions. Okay. So I've got a quite card full of questions here. Um, pick a card, any card. Okay. Give me your give me your wisdom. If you want to ignore <laughs> any questions, you can do. Okay. We'll just do about five minutes of these. Yeah, uh, quite interesting. Uh, tell me about how you find a balance between work, play, money and family. Um, that's probably changed, hasn't it? Well, it's been... That's been a really important question because when you look at farming, um, you look at it sort of economically and you look at it from an environmental perspective and that's something that we've a, tried to improve the farming or... Or change the farming so it's it, we're actually better off as a result of farming. Um, environmentally, we've tried to change how we farm so that we the environment is benefiting, the biodiversity is benefiting, and everything we do is within natural processes. But the third issue that we've really tried to work on is getting this our social not our social life, but the social aspects of farming right as well. So doing exactly that, which is getting that balance between work play money and family right um and so the fact that we're able to go on a holiday 
uh, and take weekends off from time to time and and make sure that we're there for Violet when she needs us is 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 one of the sort of things that we're set out to do. So if we go back sort of six, seven, eight years ago before Violet was here, getting away on holidays was critically important to us. And then obviously since Violet's come along, getting that balance between the work life and the family life has become equally critical. So a really important a really important part of what we've tried to do, but also it's something that I think farming in, in general needs to work on to get better because there's a lot of people within farming um, that I believe don't quite get that right. And I'm not saying we get it right, but it's something that we've worked you're at, at least, trying to... You're conscious of trying yeah, to do yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I think it's just, yeah, something that's... Yeah, we've we've worked really hard at trying to okay. get better. Okay, Lee, do a question. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> you don't know what it is yet. <laughs> what advice would you offer to someone who has the same big barriers that are in your head and stop you getting on with things? <gasps> that's a big question. Um, so uh, we haven't talked about this at all, actually. But one of the things I've been talking to lots of people about is a lot of people in life are here and they want to be there. And I find that transition bit really fascinating. And it's often like time or money, but it's often something in our head that stops us. So. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm probably quite guilty of this, actually. Okay. Sometimes I think it's a possible lack of confidence and just the ability to make something happen. And it's a bit like when you start doing exercise, for example. And if you know, if you want, if you have a goal and you want to be fitter or you want to lose weight or whatever, Actually making the decision to start it is the hardest thing to do. And then once you start it, it's surprisingly how maybe enjoyable or easy it might be or easier than you thought. Um, and actually just making the decision to do it is probably the biggest thing you can do, isn't it? Um, but I'm really, really guilty of it. So, But I also think prioritising things and possibly where often really, really busy. And I struggle sometimes to see the wood for the trees and, and kind of prioritize things and and I think sometimes when you've got loads going on and you have children and it, it, it's sometimes quite hard to think oh well, I'm just going to do this one thing for myself and be really selfish and and commit to it and and squeeze it in somehow and that that's sometimes the hard thing to do isn't it yeah but absolutely but do you think you need sometimes to do the selfish thing for yourself in order that you can do everything else for everyone else better. Yeah, sometimes I think it, I, the older I get, the more I think, it, and probably becoming a mother is probably the thing that's made us think it more is that your time so you're so consumed emotionally and time wise by your children and all the stuff that goes on in your life, facilitating everything, and from everything from cooking meals to doing getting clothes ready for school uniform and doing everything that and then working and then suddenly you realize at the end of the day what what have I done and I sometimes even just have to go for a walk as soon as Violet gets on the school bus because if I don't do it then it won't happen and I think it's very 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 important to do it very important but yeah like I say I'm I don't feel in a position of advice because I'm really bad at it well that's, that's <laughs> exactly the point of that question is to it's kind of advising yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Got Neil, give us a question. We'll just do a couple more. Okay. Crikey. That's deep. <laughs> what three things do you need to live a life of purpose? Mm. 
Um, my first, whether I can come up with three. Yeah, it does have to be three. You, no, only, got, you only got one D. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not expecting much. No. <laughs> and that was in geography. Um, yeah, the, the first thing I've got to say is has got to be family. Um, we've always lived, as I say, there's myself and four sisters, so big family. Mum and dad have always been extremely close uh, and have been a massive part in our in our lives and have always supported us. And we still we still meet uh, very close and see each other regularly. And obviously, uh, Violet's cousins are all involved now. You know who are from thirty one down to Violet's age five. So and and we do meet and get together and socialise as as an extended family on regular basis. And and. Uh, and so family are without doubt the sort of what have given me um, a massive amount of purpose in life. Um, secondly, I would probably say community. I think that's been really, really important to me. Um, the Dales community, the farming community, the rugby community, you know, it's all, it's all been a, a sort of really um, important part of, of growing up and growing up in the Dales and being... And, and giving purpose to some life. And then then thirdly, I probably I've got to say, you know, sort of our relationship, myself and Lee and having Violet as 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 the next generation yeah. of family, um has, has 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 just taken it to a different level and and something you don't realise until you have kids and we had kids quite late in life and I was never really but to say bothered about kids isn't quite right, <laughs> but but, uh, but, you know, it was never a huge yearning for me. And yet now I look at Violet and I sort of almost have some regrets that we didn't do it sooner, didn't have more of them. And, uh, you know, so, so yeah, we've, I've got to say sort of like kids and family life here is, is probably the third of the three. I would also... Maybe add, not necessarily in that order. Add to this, add something on Neil's behalf, actually, that I think desire, desire for whatever he's doing on the farm. 10 years ago, it was something quite different to now, possibly. You know, it, his his desires from a farming perspective and what he wanted to achieve is probably a big thing as well, really. Probably the things you were trying, you know, achieving and doing, and, and that that's changed over time, but it's still kind of... Now it's probably leaning towards the regenerative agriculture and environmental conservation farming, whereas before it was something different. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's a perfect. Uh, oh, you alone. Oh, I go wanted on, to then. do another. On, I wanted to do another. Seeking glory. You can do as many as you like. No, I'll just do one. Yeah. What is the question that you are afraid to ask? Oh, that sounds a bit deep. Want deep one or an easy one? Oh, I think I want an easier one. Well, I, I, I just, I'm just aware of time. If you had one extra hour every day, oh, or this is oh, a good one to end this with. This is great. You can both answer this if one. If you had one extra hour every day all to yourself, how would you spend it? Uh, I would probably do some yoga, which I need to do more of, or I might do some drawing, and dare I say it, I might even do some tidying up, which is a really bad thing to say, but. It would make us feel like I had a straight air edge on life. But yeah, I think some yoga would be brilliant. Neil, bit of yoga for you. <laughs> um, I've, I've actually done two bits of yoga <laughs> for the first time in my life in the last week. So 
I should probably say that. Um, or I should say a bit of meditation, a bit of mindfulness, maybe something like that. That is not a phrase I don't think many Yorkshire farmers <laughs> said five, ten years ago. No, no. Is that a new world <laughs> for... I, I'm not sure you'd find it in the general consensus of okay. Dale's farmers personally, but yeah, yeah, yeah I might be surprised. Uh, but if I had an extra, I'd probably just end up going to the pub for a couple of pints. <laughs> you would. <laughs> I could say all sorts, but that's just what I'd do. Okay. So I've spent a month now on my bike going around Yorkshire seeking wisdom. I think that's the perfect place to end the month of questioning because it's time for me now to cycle up over the hill past our village primary school we yeah. both went to, back to my mum and dad's house and... I guess, home for me. So yeah. thanks so much for welcoming me to your house. No, no, it's been great to meet you and, uh, and see you again. So thanks cool. a lot for You're coming. more than welcome to come back. Thank, Thank you. you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. There's show notes from every episode on my website, alistairhumphreys.com slash podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. I teamed up with Kamut to make this podcast happen. In case you missed it, Kamut is an outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Kamut helps you have better adventures is through their inspiring collections. Are you exploring a new area and not sure where to begin? Type in where you want to go and local collections will suggest a number of cycling or hiking tours based on the most scenic routes. It's a great way to get started exploring in a new place, particularly if you don't know where to begin. Wherever you find yourself, your very own outdoor experiences are waiting for you, go explore more with Kamut. Head to kamut.com slash chi and use the voucher code ADVENTUROUS to claim your free region bundle.